0: Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We're your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer and independent contributor for life, poor Vita, Katie McDonald, And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and Too Legit to Quit, Managerial Guru, Ready to Hammer Home Some Manager Pet Peeves Tonight,
1: Heather MacArthur. Hello. You know, it makes if I was a better singer, I'd actually sing the song right now. But you can imagine that in my heart, I'm doing the dance in the in the in the MC Hammer pants uh, across
0: the stage. We don't need Hammer to sue us for infringement because we would one up his worksmanship. That's,
1: that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, no, let's just hit it home today. I thought like I've been I've been going around and hearing people. Uh, it's it just some interesting conversations about what a manager is responsible for. What's the difference between a manager and a leader? Can a manager be nice and still be effective? And so I thought, let's hit a couple of what I think are some of the common myths that go with management. And, you know, let's give our two cents on what we think that is. I don't, I you know, let me lay this out right now. I think the world of being a people manager is entirely different than what was expected even just 10, 12 years ago. And I think that's something that not everyone's gotten their arms wrapped around and people will often kind of complain that their companies don't do training for management. And I, I think the reality is, is 20 years ago, it, you knew what you needed to do to train managers. And it was, it was a lot more clear cut and black and white as to what the role of a manager was. And the goal was, how do you groom employees to kind of rise up through the ranks and take on the, on the next level and retire with the gold watch? And now organizations are flatter, jobs are changing overnight, things are much more matrix and complex. And so the relationship aspect of being a manager, the ability to kind of inspire people and, you know, handle change and chaos and all that kind of stuff is a whole other side of the job. So I think a lot of companies don't do training well around this because they haven't really sat back and embraced the fact that, and I guess that's my first tip, is embrace the fact that the world of a people manager has completely changed, and it's not you being the wise old owl grooming others to be like you. Hmm.
0: I lo- okay so I want to drill down on that because I am uh, as I started off at the uh, top of the <laughs> at the top of the show uh I see poor vita independent contributor for life I have no interest in managing uh, in being a people manager managing other people uh and part of that is a little bit of a fear on my part I I am fully cool with being my own boss but when it comes to the concept of effective leadership I don't know what that looks like. And there is such a premium. Like if you open LinkedIn these days, the only things you see about leadership is you better be a good leader or your people will leave. Leadership you know, it's not exactly what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's not that nobody lays out prescriptively what are the elements of being a good leader. It's like, hey, don't screw this up or everybody's going to leave you. <laughs> And you will be the reason that they left the company.
1: But but you know what? And I don't agree with that anymore because people used to say that all the time and still say it is like people don't leave companies. They leave their manager. Right. And I disagree. Like people, I job hopped all the time and it had very little to do with the manager that I was working for. Now, that's not to say that a manager can't have a big impact, but I'd even say the fact it's a little bit like parenting. I think the people who are most afraid of screwing up parenting should be parents. (laughs) <laughs> and I think the same thing about managers, the fact that you're even concerned about it, because that's the second thing that I'd call out there is stop treating taking on a management position as a promotion. It is a very different job. Yes. And so if you look at it as that's a different kind of lane for a career field and that managing people is a career field versus this idea that, oh, if I'm good at my job, I hired this just the other day. Well, if you're good at your job, you should be ready for a promotion. I'm like, I might be amazing at my job and horrible at managing other people. That has not, you know, me being able to, say, be an animator has nothing to do with how good of a people manager I might be. Right. And so I, I think that's like, if, if number one is is understand that the, the game has changed, number two is understand that people management is a profession in and of itself and being an executive where you're not necessarily just managing a team, but managing a business is a career field in itself, requires different skills. And it's not that this natural progression of, I will just grow into those capabilities if I'm doing these levels beneath it. That's just not the way that it works. You have to really treat it as the profession that it is. So I, I, first of all, I'd say, I know you well. I think you'd make an amazing manager. And I think it's just that healthy respect. And I find too many people eager for the promotion and not taking seriously well, now you have this huge impact and influence over somebody else's career and you have a lot of power and then you just kind of treat it as like, well, I worked really hard. I want the 2.5% raise and an extra letter on my, my business card. You know, I think that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> right.
0: One of the things that we're hearing about so much in the zeitgeist around leadership and leadership principles and what it looks like to be a leader now is the hot new buzzword of servant leadership. And that looks a lot of different ways to a lot of different people, depending on who you ask. What are your thoughts around servant leadership? What that means and how that actually ends up looking in a people manager role?
1: I got a little bit of issue with it. I like the, the premise and in, in, in spirit, but one, it, it was primarily developed from kind of a religious background where hmm. it, it had a lot of kind of Christian Christianity kind of thought process around it. And I not to say that any of that can't be relevant to the work. I prefer it as instead of servant leadership, mainly I just I want people to move away from anything that's not tied strictly to business, because that's what you're doing. So I like to see it as customer service leadership. And if you treated your employees and your peers and your manager, and I, you, know, you hear me bang that drum on every podcast, basically, as your customers, you would just be more strategic. What are your employees? You would be interested, not from just this, I love people side, but well, if my employees are my customers too, like, what are they up to? What service are we trading on? I'd ask those types of questions. So I like that principle of it I get that it's meant to get people to get you know not just think about themselves I want people to be even more strategic than that to go how do we turn this into a really nice healthy business trade because we're not just hanging out in the park and volunteering hours together we're we're making money together and I I think business gets a dirty dirty word like oh that means it's all just about the money no it's about the business and that has all those aspects wrapped under one umbrella.
0: That That makes a lot of sense. I think on the other side of it, though, too, it's possible that the servant leadership concept has gained so much ground in part because there's a need to counterbalance the concept that, like you said earlier, once somebody gets a new role, they've been fantastic at their job as an engineer, and now suddenly they're managing a team of engineers. And they think, oh, great! So there's five of me that work exactly like I work, and I can make five me's do exactly what uh, do five times more than one me would do. So essentially, they're they're looking at their talent pool, their their direct reports like widgets or chess pieces to move around as needed to get the job
1: done. Yeah, and I think you know, look back when it was, we didn't have as much technology it kind of needed to be run that way, that I need you all to do exactly what I, you know, what's laid out in the job description because this needs to run like clockwork. And now that technology takes over most of those things that have to run like clockwork, it is so much more about creative thinking together, collaborating together, uh, coming up with ideas, you know, that are outside of the box or just getting along. So it can't be this idea of, everyone's doing the same thing and we're just running like a little factory because we're not running factories anymore.
0: Right. It is much more the, uh, yeah, Microsoft can do all of the factory work for us at this point. We're actually, we're leveraging the human capital to do things that are unique to humans. And so that's what's made it, to your point, so much trickier to be a people manager.
1: So why am I so scared, Heather? (laughs) People are creepy. I mean, let's it they're creepy, they're needy, they got all kinds of problems. And I think that's the thing is like, you know, I don't want to keep belaboring the engineer example because I think it goes for any profession, but it's like there's a certain black and whiteness to some of the work that we do. And then you start to deal with humans. And I love people who go, I don't have the title. People, that's, I'd say that's the other tip is don't rely on your title because there's this concept of if I had a big enough title, people would just listen to what I had to say. I don't have the control or the authority. And the reality is, is I coach people all the time that are SVPs that go, well, I'm not an EVP, so they're not going to listen to me. So you have to get away from the idea that it's the title. It's are you influential? Do you inspire people to want to follow you? Do you inspire them to want to um, follow your lead and, and to take on the changes that you're taking on?
0: So you can be a leader without being a people manager and you can definitely be a people manager without being a leader.
1: Yeah. You know, and I'll throw that in there too, because I think there's an aspect of, you know, before it was management was the best thing, the being counter thing, if you kept everybody in line. And then it was like, no, you need to be a leader and inspire everyone. And I think some people are better at one or the other. I'd have to hundred percent admit that the management side of the job is the thing that I struggle with sometimes It's the day to day kind of tactical piece of it do you run a good budget are you on top of all the paperwork do you have everything hitting the deadlines but you also can't you as a people manager you have to have the leadership skills and that manager uh, basics because I could be inspiring all day long but if I'm not tracking everything and keeping on top of the details we're not going to hit our numbers I'm not going to really be able to get the resources that I need like I said it's a whole profession you're going to need both sides of it Right. I mean,
0: you're laying out something that makes it sound like you almost in some cases need co-managers on teams where one brings a different skill set than the other.
1: No, and I love that, too, because before it's like this attitude of, no, you got to be the end all be all. And, you know, everyone's like you've got to be the perfect manager for everybody. And you're just not going to be. And if you had a network of managers that you all collaborate together and let's just say you've got an employee Who's struggling with their interpersonal skills? And maybe that's not your forte, but, you know, I could throw it over and say, hey, Katie, you're really good at coaching through this. Do you mind working with my employee? And on the flip side, if you go, hey, I've got someone who's really struggling with their career, you know, Heather, could you sit down and do some career coaching with them? Then we're leveraging each other's skill set. And we're also giving exposure from our staff to other managers. So this idea that you've got to just stay with me forever and no one's going to know about you. I'm giving, you know, you give some airplay to your employees so they get to see other opportunities in the company.
0: Oh, I love that. That is the uh, that's the hot buzzword cross-functionality. If your other leaders are your peers and you're and actually I dare say like you're friendly with them in some cases, you can actually achieve so much by reaching out. I love that. Me too. And that kind of brings us – so we started talking uh, about managing directly your direct reports. Now we're moving on to uh, cross-functionality and and – co-managing with co-parenting. Other Co-pa- I almost I said co-parenting. co-parenting. <laughs> uh, yeah, co-managing with other managers. Now that kind of brings us to the, the other dreaded component of management, which is managing up, making sure that you get visibility for your direct reports on your team up to your management and setting and leveling expectations uh, of management for what your team is going to be able to do you know, uh, under-promise and over-deliver and all that good stuff. What are the biggest pitfalls you see in the, the people managers that you're deal- that you're working with regularly in managing up? Honestly, to be blunt, is
1: calling it managing up. Screws <laughs> everybody. Okay. It does. Because all everybody, right. the minute you say that, managing up, you imply that they have more power. You imply that it's, it's tougher because you can't tell them what to do. They are higher up than you. There's just this implication of you're at a weakness because you don't have the authority. And if you go back to that kind of customer service aspect, I'm never managing up, I'm never managing down, I'm providing service for. In a business, everybody's your customer. So instead of managing up, I'm going, this customer requires information about the resources that we're using, information and updates as to the progress of the work. It's just a different service that I'm providing that client than I might be providing my employees who are clients. And so you're always doing something with someone versus Up to someone or down to someone.
0: That explanation makes perfect sense. Everybody is key to their own role. The person that that does your review at the end of the year just means that they are serving a different role in the business than you are.
1: Yeah, and they're just signing off on it. They're just, they're that customer who actually wrote a Yelp review, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that your employees aren't impacting your review and your reputation in the company. And I get it. There's a certain, I'm not ignoring the power dynamic. Yeah. So you could still have the the chief human resource officer. Let's just say that she adores me, but I, I run over everybody else that I work with and there's dead bodies in the wake, but she likes me so much. She doesn't see any of that. So yeah, I have job security. So I get that there's that element of managing up and still kind of has this dysfunctional benefit to it, but at the end of the day, at some point, more and more cultures are going to employ engagement surveys and, um, you know, what's the culture like? And the more that that becomes a priority for people and the more data we have that shows that negative cultures end up impacting the bottom bottom line by turnover, poor performance, the less people like that get to really kind of make it for very long. So. We're moving more and more where you're not going to be able to just leave dead bodies in the wake and still continue to succeed. I think that's something to keep in mind: is that instead of looking at it as oh, I've just I've got to really be careful about that power dynamic. Understand everyone's going to be rating you, so to speak, on your performance. Whether they do it at the water cooler and gossip about you, or whether they do it to your face in a performance review. It it seems
0: harder and harder to assert value as a people manager, specifically in middle management, where you are managing people managers, but you're not at the highest rungs. What are some strategies and tactics to kind of find where you can really overtly show your value because the first time layoffs come through an organization, it's like, oh, okay, so you manage the managed, the managed. We can remove a rung of this. So how do you work to find your value or to to assert your value, to show your value in specifically the way that you are managing your team?
1: Well, there's two things to that. First of all, I don't ever take a position just because they want to retain me and they wanted to give me an extra title to keep me around for a while. I do the I you know I do the drug dealer's model of I'm giving and delivering work and impact that people get hooked on. And then it just makes sense to move me in there. So when someone looks at my job role, they're not gonna go, why do we have another, you know, director on this? Instead, they're gonna go, oh, they're the director of this business. Oh, that's thriving. So I want my title to be put on top of the work I've already gotten people addicted to, versus <laughs> The title exists because they want to keep me. But now we got to figure out how to give me the work that validates that title. That's that's where I see people get laid off very quickly.
0: So focusing on doing the work that actually shows the value, not focusing on what does this title mean for me?
1: Yeah, impact is much more of a job security than title will ever be. And then I I double down on, I think, middle managers and middle leaders like the director level and senior manager level those can be the you can be the puppet master if you really know how to play it because you get access to going to some of these higher level executive meetings you get access to the front line you got a finger on the pulse like you might be the most in tune person in the entire organization if you are paying attention to it that way but if you view it as well what do I matter i'm not i don't have a v in my title yet but yet i'm you know but i'm better than a front line manager it's just you're still caught up in that hamster wheel of As long as I'm moving up the ladder, somehow I'm increasing my importance. Impact will always, when when they do layoffs, and I've sat in the room, I've been on both sides, but when I've sat in the room, it's somebody from finance, it's somebody from payroll. They sit down and they look at the numbers and they go, how does this align to the business strategy? They don't go, oh, Heather, she's been with the company for so long and maybe someone will chime in for me. But in massive layoffs in a large company, what they really care about is, does it look like it impacts money, either saving it or making it? And if not, we got to cut it.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. But So th- this kind of gets to the, uh, the root of my, uh, my fear about the, uh, the people manager situation, especially going back to that middle management where you are managing a team of people who are managing more people. There's such a level of disconnect in the control of the product, for lack of a better term. I don't mean like control over people, but when I am an independent contributor, I'm responsible for the work that I put out. My name's all over it. It's all Katie Inc. Everybody sees exactly what I'm bringing to the table. Now I manage, you know, Mary and Todd. Mary Todd. Mary Todd Lincoln. I manage Mary (laughs) Todd Lincoln.
1: Uh <laughs> I heard she's squirrely.
0: <laughs> I know. Okay, so that's my first problem, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no but I'm I'm managing, you know, a small team of people and we're trying to collaborate, but they don't have, they don't work the same way I work, and I'm not getting what I need out of them to mirror what I would get out of managing two Katie's, let's say. And
1: mm-hmm. then
0: all of a sudden I find myself in a position where uh the three people that report to me now have people reporting to them. So my my uh my connection to the direct output, to the direct product for my team is now even less. That's terrifying. Cause there's a like, you now I can still manage uh, Mary and Todd and uh, Lincoln over there, but uh, <laughs> Link, as we call him on yes. the team. Uh, but now Mary, Todd and Link have three very different management styles for managing the people that roll up to them. So I feel less in charge of the product in the, uh, in the drug dealer analogy. Like I, (laughs) I'm not controlling the content anymore. I don't know. I don't know what's in my cocaine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need good quality controls, which means that Um, right.
0: So where's the quality control
1: in that? How do I get that back? So that's the thing is one, if the minute you take on a, a, a job where people report to you, you have got to have an ability to handle pressure and you've got to not be freaked out about your reputation possibly looking bad because if you do and you're so concerned of like, oh my gosh, is is there gonna be a mistake? Is something gonna fall on my shoulders? Is it gonna make me look bad? The minute you get consumed with that, you're not gonna do a good job. The other part of it is when you're a people manager, just purely, you've got direct reports who are frontline contributors, then you need to obsess about learning the skill of how to develop people. And most people don't think of it that way, but it's it's a skill just like, you know, learning how to use welding equipment. It's a skill to know how to train people. So that's why when people go like, aren't you worried if you, if you develop them, they're going to go away? I'm like, no, because I know how to do it. So, <laughs> you know, if they're done working for me and they're ready to move on to something else, go. I'll, I know how to hire people. I know how to train them. I know how to get them up and running. So it doesn't scare me to lose headcount for good reasons like that. When you move up to where you're a manager of managers, you're not in charge of product. You're in charge of a system. You're in charge of a business. You need to know now, instead of being really good at making sure that the product is solid, you need to know how to how to communicate with large groups of people. You need to know how to how to set up and deliver a strategy, how to manage a budget, budget and negotiate resources. It's a different job. The idea that if I'm good at that frontline product, like if I'm selling the cocaine, somehow I know how to run a cocaine. I like that. We're really using this drug. Now. It's, <laughs> this is going pretty far. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big business, but I mean, there's something to it is like, you have to, you have to really be a business strategist when you get to the level where you've got managers of others and they've got different styles and all that. It, it's all just a, a larger scope of the business and it requires different skills. And I think a healthy respect for understanding that that's different is what sets you up to be successful. Most people that I see freaked out in those positions are just expecting more of the same thing versus more of very different things.
0: That makes a lot of sense, but it's tough for me to lose sight of the widgets. I'm still focused on the widgets. I was I was supposed to be making these widgets. My name was all over them, and now my name is still kind of all over them. I I don't I, I'm not running the uh,
1: the widget machine any longer. Well, and I think that's I think that's a good thing to kind of be self aware about because. If you're in, in love with making sure that those widgets hit a certain level, then there's going to be a certain level that works for you. And then moving further up the chain, just because it sounds like a promotion, could be what's absolutely wrong for your career. And so if you go, I'm obsessed to know the bigger picture and I want to know how everything interconnects and I want to be able to influence process and procedure across the organization, you should pr- you probably belong in an executive position and you might suck on the front line. <laughs> you might drive people nuts on the front line and be a horrible front line manager, but be amazing executive where there's some people who are great people managers. They got moved into an executive position and they lost complete touch with what they love and what they're good at.
0: That makes so much sense. Frequently think that the the process manager is and a people manager is the same
1: thing. It's not the same thing. No. And it's, it's an executive has a completely different ball of wax. At that point in time, They need to know how to really hire strong talent and develop an executive, which is very different than developing a people manager or a frontline staff member. And so, But the the key things that follow through that are a a through line in all those positions is knowing how to develop people and knowing how to think strategically for the scope of business that you happen to have. And I think, you know, this idea that, you know, well, someone in the C-suite is going to figure that out for me people that's the thing that everybody has to move away from it as a people manager you got to take that seriously that you know how to come up with a vision and a direction because a lot of times like companies are going through a merger I can't tell you how many times I'm especially right now you've seen companies going to mergers where no one knows what the French is going on um for like a year sometimes because they're waiting for things to get through the courts and everything and so everyone's just sitting around waiting and I'm like you're not an idiot you're running a business you're just running a smaller section of it set a strategy Get some goals, make some stuff happen while no one's looking. Take advantage of it. We're all people
0: managers, even when the only people that we're managing is ourselves. Because we're still owning our part of the business, we're, we still have to be strategic, even when we're independent contributors, to make sure that the uh, the product and our part in the strategy of delivering the product is solid. And that might be where we stay. That might we might have opportunities to uh, to expand and use additional skills to get us higher up the ladder if that's where we belong, but really just kind of like paying attention to where we should be in that, where we should even start to look at our strengths and skills in a people manager realm.
1: Yeah. And I just, I I do think you you have to get clear as to, I go back to, get clear as to what impact you want to make, then ask yourself, what position helps me do that? And if you go, I really want to impact that widget, and I want to make sure that it's the perfect widget made. Then you go, okay, which position sets me up to do that? And maybe it's the widget maker, or you go, I really want to help other people do a really good job on the widget. And maybe it's a pe- you know a, a team manager level people manager. But but you're focused on the impact that you're looking to make, and that's where I you know I had at that moment in my career where it's like. I got to either keep moving upwards or people were telling me that if you don't move vertically, you're not successful. And I'm like, the further up vertically I go, the more my job changes out of the area that I actually want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I still want to grow my career, but I want to grow it kind of horizontally. I want to hit as many people as possible instead of just going vertically and running one, you know, one area of a large company. And so to me, I'm like, well, why do I have to follow that path? I can make my own path. And that's, that's what's different these days, too, is that people don't have to wait for the, the position to open, create demand for what you do and do it. But, you know, from a people manager side, it's like, how do you help your team create demand? And that's a question I got the other day in classes. There was a group in a company and they said, you know, we, we kind of partner with marketing, but we provide data, but we don't, marketing's not really leveraging us a lot. And so they're waiting around for marketing to kind of give them some ideas. And I said, well, you guys are like a four-person team. Why don't you come up with what, if you worked outside this company, what service would you like them to hire you for? What impact would you make? And then get your team to present those ideas and pitch them versus waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and ask you to do it. Hmm. But as a manager, she wasn't thinking that way. She was thinking like, no one's giving me marching orders. And so I don't know what to do with my team. And I'm worried they're going to get laid off if we don't start doing something.
0: And that's where the leadership part of being a people manager comes in is actually taking the strategic initiative. Yeah. I love that. That makes so much
1: sense. Well, and I think that's, uh, I mean, those are some pretty big, um, you know, tips. I think there's more practical things that we'll talk about in other shows when it comes to, you know, how to be really good at the the people manager piece of it. But I think what I wanted to make sure that we talked about today is just As people are considering these roles or if they're in the middle of it and they're frustrated to get really honest and just at least move off this track of I'm going to keep taking promotions because somehow they make me feel successful, even though I'm not considering how the job completely changes each time I take on a new title.
0: There's so much more to drill down on there's I know we we have, like you said, there's a lot more to uh, to get into, like with strategy and and. More tips for effectiveness, but I think just changing the mindset about like, is this where I'm really supposed to be? Is this just something that I inherit because I was good at the uh, the last portion of my job? So automatically, for some reason, now I have people reporting to me doing the same thing. Um, is a, it's a it's a real gut check?
1: Yeah, and you know, and I want to throw this one last thing because I, I this is one of the this is the thing that inspired me this week that I'm like, oh, I want to throw this on the podcast. Is someone was complaining that. Um, their, uh, their boyfriend was just too nice of a manager. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm close to this, this woman and she's like, she's hardcore. Like she's going to lock people (laughs) into stuff, Right. And, uh, her boyfriend's just this sweet, like loving kind of, he wants everyone to be happy. And she's like, he's never going to be a good manager. That's horrible. He doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. She's like, I told him, he's never going to get ahead if he doesn't do this. And I'm like, that's you like, that's how you manage. And I think she'd still be a good manager, but he doesn't care about getting ahead. He cares about are his people happy. And so we had this whole debate on, can nice people be good managers? And I, I happen to very much agree that you absolutely, I've, I've considered myself a nice manager, but I think I'm, I'm also capable of going, I don't think it's nice to let people perform in a way that if I weren't their manager, they'd probably get fired or they'd probably lose, lose reputation pretty fast. Like that to me is like the teacher who wants to be nice. And doesn't want the kid to hate them, so they're like, Yeah, no, you don't need to learn how to read. I'm gonna pass you on to the other grade. Yeah. And it's like that's not nice. Like I think people kind of mistake what nice is. You can be a very respectful person and care about your staff and care about them so much that you are going to set them up for success, even if that means having to show them some some realities that they they struggle with.
0: Right. That's the tough love. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: Well, this is this has been just a divine on a Sunday evening <laughs> with you,
0: my friend. You. Same. And should, should we pull that back the curtain now and say that we've had a live audience this entire time that your family's yeah. rolling in the car with you on the way?
1: Yeah, my family's road. rolling in the car with me, which, by the way, if, if, if I don't know if you are be able to edit out if there's, like, motorcycles driving by and, you know, some... Some ambulances. This is live entertainment, people. It's perfect.
0: They're they're like little audio Easter eggs that every, everybody can uh, go back and find.
1: <laughs> yes, just like The Shining. There's all kinds of in the, in the, in the yes. We're deep like that. Yes, yes. Okay. multi-layered. Well,
0: I am excited to pick up the conversation and talk more about the intricacies of, of what it means to be an effective people manager. I also want to get into the the difference in a future episode about uh, people managing versus project managing. I know that is that is a hot title right now and a lot of people have a lot of conceptions and possibly misconceptions about what it means to have that on your resume and what it means to actually do that job. I'd love to pick that up too. I agree. But we have our ideas. We also want to hear your ideas. If you have a question uh, or a story You want to share that has to do with people managing woes or success stories, or if you just want to hear us discuss something that's on your mind or tell us what you think about us, tweet us at LMTP consulting message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word or email us at LMTP podcast at gmail.com. Heather, thanks for literally rolling with us tonight.
1: And thank you all for joining us. Thank you, my friend. And Yay! thank you, Heather's family. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo!
0: See you next time. Bye. Bye.